this little sweet Christian lady lived next door to an atheist. And every morning she'd come out on her front porch and she'd say, praise the Lord, throw her hands up real loud. Well, after a little bit of time, the atheist got mad about it. So after she would yell every morning, praise the Lord, he'd go out and shout on his front porch, there is no God. And they did this back and forth for months. One particular morning, the, the dead of winter, a little sweet lady came out. She said, praise the Lord. Lord, I thank you you're going to provide for me. I'm out of groceries. I can't, I don't have anything to eat, but Lord, I praise you anyway. The next morning, she went out and on her front porch, there were groceries sitting there. She said, thank you, Jesus. And all of a sudden, the atheist jumped out from behind the bushes and said, aha, I told you there was no God. Your God didn't go get those groceries for you. I got those groceries for you. And all of a sudden, the little lady started doing a praise break. And she said, Jesus, thank you. You got me groceries and you made the devil pay for it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Everybody say dangerous faith. That's dangerous faith right there is what that is. That's dangerous faith. We are finished up our series called Dangerous Faith. And uh, it's been one of the largest, longest series we've ever done. This has been our, today is our sixth and final piece of it. And uh, I warned you as we started into this that we were going to push prod, stretch, and go after those areas of our life that keep us from having the kind of faith that moves mountains. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. For if we had faith, just the size of a mustard seed, we could say to that mountain, be thou removed, and it would cast itself into the sea. And you and I have to continue to grow and learn faith. We think that because we got, became a Christian that we have a certain, you know, fulfillment of faith. And really, it's just a starting point. It's it's kind of like going to school for the first time. You know, it's awesome that you go to school now, but now you have to grow and continue to mature. And I'm constantly growing and maturing in my faith. In fact, this series came from uh, last year. I was struggling in an area of my faith, and I, I was really struggling with the Lord. And I, and I began to research and, and found Rick Warren's teaching on faith. And much of what we've taught about in this series came from his uh, teachings on it. It really helped me, and I wanted to pass it on to you. And, of course, you know, we put it in the way that we teach. So today, as we close out, where our teaching today will be believing while we're in the waiting. Believing while waiting. And hopefully this will help you. And, uh, and, and really strengthen you. We've talked about what faith looks like. We've talked about how to, obedience is a critical factor in faith. Last week we talked about, you know, depowering the fear that keeps us from stretching out into faith. And today, what to do, how do, how do we keep believing while we're waiting for God's miracles, while we're waiting for God's promise, while we're waiting for the breakthrough that we've been asking for and need to have uh, tr so treacherously in our life. And so Psalms chapter 37 and verse 34 is our key verse. You'll note if you've been with us any length of time, I always give you a key verse. And the reason I do that is so that, you know, if you'll just hold on to the key verse that we give you. If you don't forget, remember anything else in the message, remember that key verse. Write that one down. Mark that in your Bible. And if you'll do that every week, every Sunday for 52 weeks, you'll know more scripture than most Americans could ever think of knowing. And so our key verse is found in Psalms 37, 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his ways. Wait for the Lord, keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. This passage is teaching us, the psalmist teaching us to wait on the Lord and to keep his way. So in the waiting, keep his ways. It don't, it don't always happen the way you want it to happen, when you want it to happen. But if you'll wait and keep his ways in that whole process, he will exalt you and you will inherit the thing that he told you you were going to get. The things that the Bible promises, you will inherit that. And in that waiting for God, how do we, how do we keep on believing? And so we're going to do just a little bit of a... 
I can't go through the entire passage, um, just for sake of time, but we're going to look in the book of Genesis. We're going to kind of go through the life of what is called, or who is called, the father of faith, Abraham. And Abraham had faith in God when no one else seemed to even know who God was back thousands of years ago. And he became, if you will, the father of faith. In fact, that's the Abrahamic covenant. The Jewish people come from Abraham. And that's the most of the Bible, almost all the Bible is written by Jews for Jews. And uh, we, as non-Jews, have been grafted in, the Bible talks about. We've been accepted. We've been the adopted children. And he loves us as much as he loves the Jewish folks. In fact, because we find that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except through him. And that's the beauty of being a Christian. So I want to give you these five phases, these five places of faith in this, this process that you go through, these five phases of, of faith process that you got to kind of go through as we study uh, the life of Abraham. So let's start with number one. It starts most time, our faith starts with a dream, with a dream. Abraham gets this dream. He, he, he has this engagement with God. And verse one of Genesis chapter 12 says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And, and so God gives this man, he's 75 years old at the time. He's 75 years old when God comes to him and he says, listen, I got a plan for you. I, I, I want to give you a dream. I want to give you something bigger than just going through the motions. I've got a plan and a, and a dream for you. And God gives him the dream, if you will. Each and every one of us, at some phases of our life, God gives us these dreams, these things that, that we know it's from him, that he wants us to accomplish, these, these things that he wants to give us breakthrough. And he, we see it. We get the dream. And it gets in our heart. And we start holding on to it. And, and, and some of you, I, I don't know why you think that once you got past 35, that that's it. There's no more dreaming. There's no more miracles. There's no more uh, lands to conquer. And that's a foolish place of thinking. Because this man's 75 years old. When God comes to him, 75 years old, and says, hey, I'm going to make a great nation from you. Here's the problem. He can't have kids. And his wife can't have kids. And now they're 75 years old. They're not going to have no kids at 75. When's the last time grandma gave birth? Think that one through for just a moment now. 75. 75 years old. I'm going to make a great nation of you. And he holds on to the dream. And that brings us to the second phase in this whole faith process. And that is the decision. That's the decision. God gives you something in your heart. He starts speaking to you. Come on, it's time to be a Christian. You start dreaming about it, and you're going to move towards it, and you make a decision. That's why I have you lift your hand and say, if you want Jesus, you know, and, and you make a decision. And you, uh, or, or, or you make a decision, you know, I'm not going to live like this anymore. There's a decision in this whole process. You begin to dream it, begin to see that I can be different. I can be like God. I, I can be like a, a believer supposed to be, and you begin to have faith towards it, and that dream starts stirring, in, and then you make a decision. Look what it says that he does in, uh, in verse 4 of Genesis 12. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. He put action. He, he made a decision on it. He, he said, okay, I'm going to do this. Let's go. I'm going to go follow God. I'm going to go to a land that I don't know. And he's going to make me a great nation. That's what he said he was going to do. It's just not some pipe dream. It's just not so, you know, I hope one day he actually acted upon it. Some of you got businesses in your heart. God's been putting that dream inside of your heart. There's going to be a moment where you've got to make a decision. You're going to have to step out. There's been some of you, you've been, you felt that you're supposed to help other people. And we keep asking you, would you lead a small group? At some point, you've got to make a decision. You've got to step out. And you've got to say, come on, I can do this with God's help. I can, I can go for it. And these are the beautiful first couple of stages in the processes. But then comes number three. And this is the third stage in this whole process of faith. And that is the delay. Everybody say the delay. And the delay is where most people either quit on God 
are where most people fall into false doctrine and false teaching because none of us, especially as Americans, like to be delayed. None of us like it. None of us like to wait. That's the whole, the whole premise of this faith teaching that I want to close out with you. None of us like to wait, especially as Americans. We want it now. 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 We are mad. We are mad when we go through the drive through and it wasn't fast enough. We are mad. Have you ever thought about, I heard a comedian talking about this. Have you ever thought about how mad we get when we're delayed on our flight the, the, on an airplane? But think about that for a moment. I'm explaining to someone that lived 400 years ago that we're going to get in a metal tube and we're going to fly thousands of miles in minutes. Think about that. Think about that. And we're mad that they were 20 minutes late. Bless God. I know I am. I'm always frustrated about it. Because we don't like to wait. But God, in his beautiful, infinite wisdom, most of the time in this process of faith, there's a waiting season. There's a, there's a phase of waiting. Because in the waiting, supernatural things happen. We become the man, the woman we were supposed to be. We begin to mature in the waiting. If you give a kid everything he wants, when he wants it, he never becomes the person, or she never becomes the person she needed to be. There's something about waiting. Are you with me? Say yes. It's something about telling that child, I love you, sit down. We will go when I tell you we're going to go. That develops that child, develops them into a strong man or woman of character. There's a waiting process. There's a delay that happens. Uh, look in verse 1 of chapter 16 of Genesis. It says, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. By chapter 16, the promise has already been given. They've moved towards it. They made a decision. They moved, and, you, and they find themselves 11 years later, and there's still no child. There's no child. God told them, I'm going to make you a great nation. Well, how can I have a great nation if I don't have kids that have kids that have kids that have kids? How, how, can, I have, how can I have a great family lineage if I don't have kids? And so he believes. He says, okay. He acts upon it. Okay, I'll do it. And now 11 years later, there's still no kid. And they're not getting any younger. At this point, you know, he's 86 and she's 10 years younger. So she's, you know, 76. And so this thing is not happening on the time frame that they thought it should happen. There's a delay. There is a process happening. In the delay is where most people then begin to go after counterfeit options. If you'll study this passage, you'll find a little later what happens is, is they're, so, they're so tired of waiting that Sarah obviously is looking at her aging body saying, this is not going to happen. So she pulls off one of the greatest mistakes ever. And she says to her husband, hey, listen, I've got a young, I've got a young assistant. Why don't you, why don't you go into her and, uh, and conceive a child? And maybe that's how God wants to do it. Maybe that's what God wants to do. Maybe let's take a little shortcut because the way that I think he, the way he's told us he's going to do it is not going to happen. There is no way. I'm going to tell you right now. Have you seen this body? It's not going to happen. I'm 76. It's not going to happen. Into her 80s, into her 90s. And so dummy says, okay, let's do that. Don't ever ask a dude whether he wants to do something stupid like that. He'll say yes every time. He's like, sure. And so, and so, this maidservant, if you will, conceives and gives birth to a child named Ishmael. Ishmael didn't do anything wrong. But now Ishmael has become, if you will, the shortcut, the not God's plan. And that son, that child, ends up being, as life continues on, one of the greatest threats to the Jewish people. 
See, what you do in haste, what you do in rebellion, what you do because you refuse to wait will be the thing that tortures you <laughs> all throughout your life. You and I have to learn to wait, and we have to learn to embrace God where he's at. In verse 17, in chapter 17, verse 1, it says, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I'm God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will be, and, and between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. So he's 99 and, and when he comes to him a, a, another time, he says, God, uh, it's not going to come through Ishmael. Then, then what, how are we going to do this? I'm already 99, puts my wife at 89. This cannot happen. And he says to him, in a year from now, your wife will conceive. Go back and read it. It's hilarious. She's sitting on the other side of the curtain because they lived in tents, and she starts laughing. <laughs> and God, God's sitting there. He, he came, came, Jesus had come with some angels, and they're sitting there having this conversation with Abraham. And they said, Sarah, did you laugh? And she comes across and says, no, I didn't laugh. <laughs> yes, you did. You did laugh. And guess what? A year from now, you're going to be laughing again. Because this time you're going to be laughing, not in it can't happen, but you're going to be laughing at how can God do something supernatural and something that is dead and old and undone. You have to understand, in the, t in the delay time, this is where your character is being developed. This is where your roots are going deeper. In, in the delay time, this is where you really prove, do you love and do you trust the Lord your God? And there are going to be temptations to take shortcuts. There are going to be temptations to give up on it. And there's going to be this sense and feeling that, Lord, how can you do it? It's past time. I missed my moment. It should have happened 20 years ago. God, I've, been, I, I, I've served the devil too long. I can't go back and fix that. It's over. It's, it, it can't happen. And those things will begin to attack your mind. Boom, 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 boom. But you have to learn to take captive those thoughts. And you have to say, you know what, God said it, and he'll do it. And if he doesn't do it in my time, he'll do it in my kids' time. If he doesn't do it in my kids' time, he'll do it in my, in, in my grandkids' time. But God will accomplish what he said he would accomplish through me, through my family. He will do what he said he would do. He's given me a promise. And instead of doing that, Abraham got a little sideways, but he came back around and said, okay, I'm so sorry, Lord. I, I know you'll do it. And at the end of that year, now after, after he's 100 years old, what happens is Sarah becomes pregnant. She gives birth to Isaac. I mean, to uh, yeah, to Isaac, come on, somebody, the, the child of promise. And that brings us to the next phase, and that's the phase of delight. The phase of delight. Can I just help you? I can remember, I can remember crying out to God, God, get us a building. Nobody believes we're a real church in this area. Yeah. I, I remember taking the, all the elders and, and taking them and saying, what about this building? And, and poor Don and Chris Hart, we went, sure, pastor, if, if you want to. We looked at a little old nasty building that was, and, 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 and even then, they were like, okay, let's do it. And we went to buy it, and someone else snatched it out of our hands and took it from us. We tried 32 different locations to get a building. We tried 30, oh, and that may not sound like a big deal, but 30, think about, there's only 52 weeks in a year. And over a two-year two year period, I'm going from building to building. I'm knocking on doors. Pastor Chris is going and meeting with people. Jamie's going and meeting with people. Hey, what about this building? Would y'all rent it to us? No, 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 no. I was getting so mad. I was so frustrated. But can I tell you something? In the waiting, in the delay process, what it does is it strengthens your heart and you don't even realize it. So that when the miracle moment happens, you sit back and go, how did this happen? How could this happen? 
How, this, this is beyond me. And so when this building became available and, they were, and, and we were allowed to take over this facility, it was such a supernatural moment. I'll never forget mom and dad lived in Louisiana at the time. They came in and we were, you talk about a delight. See, see you can't have a delight without a delay. You, and, and unless you've had delay, you can't really have a delight. You've got to have a delay to make you go, it's not working, it's not. And all of a sudden, God, boom, he sets it in front of him and you go, oh my goodness. You're the great God of heaven and earth. See, a lot of times we don't realize that what's happening is there's this, there's this thing happening between us and God as we're learning to trust, and we're learning to trust, and then one day when the delight comes, then we can actually enjoy it because had we got it before we became who we needed to become, we would have destroyed it. Are you with me? You will destroy it if you haven't had the delay to where you actually matured enough where you can hold on to the thing that God's doing. So the moment that we got in this building and I brought Mimi and Pop came in and Pop laid right there on the floor and he just cried and he cried and we walked around this building. We like, we got a building. We'd walk in a closet and and we found out we got a broom, guys. We got a broom. We never had a broom before. Oh, wait, there's toilet paper. There's We got toilet paper. He said, what's so exciting about toilet paper when you've had nothing? When you didn't have a broom, listen, our little church, we had a little, we had a little trailer. That's why I won't let them sell that little beat-up uh, five-by-eight trailer in the back. We had a little bitty trailer, and we had a couple boxes with some kids' stuff in it. And we had this little bitty soundboard, and we go set up in the Methodist church, and it was terrible. But we, we served God with all of our heart, and it just kept going on. We couldn't get a breakthrough. And, when, and in that delay, in that waiting, when all of a sudden, here comes the breakthrough. The supernatural gift from God and the delight of our hearts. And we all just wept. We, came, we walked around like we are the richest Christians in the world. Look, we have chairs that actually aren't metal. Yes, God. We couldn't believe it. It was such a delight. God will delight you. But there's a delay before there's a delight. you got to embrace that process. Because only in the delay will you be grateful for the delight. And here's the last and final piece in this process, and that is the test. The test. I don't know why Christian leaders don't teach this enough. God will, God will stretch you. God will mature you. God will give you the delights of your heart. And then he'll test you to see, has this son more than you love the giver? So Abraham has this son. And, and, and it's the miracle. <laughs> His wife is 90 years old and she gives birth to a kid. I want you to think about that just a moment. How many 90-year-olds do you know that are pregnant? Think about that. They give birth. They can then nurse a child. And we'll stop there. I mean, you think about, you think about her trying to load the car seat on that camel. I mean, she can't. You, you think about the sippy cup. She's like, I ain't gonna, I got a sippy cup somewhere. Somewhere. It's hard enough for a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old. Imagine a 90-year-old. Like, where's my teeth and the sippy cups? I can't find them. They're all around here somewhere. And so you want to talk about that little child. You want to talk about spoiled rotten. Have you ever met anybody who had kids in their old age? Those kids are, woo. One of my closest friends, his mom and dad were very wealthy, and they were older, older, much older. 
that kid at 15 years old, and back in the day you could get a driver's license at 15, where we're from, they, they bought him in 1984, the most, 1985, the best number one car out at that time, which is a Mustang GT. Anybody remember when that came out in the, in the mid-80s? <clears throat> that kid wrapped that thing around the pole within two weeks of having it, and they bought him another one. Wrap that one around something. Put it that one. Did. They just kept buying them for a while because he was spoiled right. We'd walk in the mall. He'd walk in and say, I want that, 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 and that. And they were like, oh, awesome. Then look at me. Would you like something? I'm like, man, I can't afford nothing in here. I'm, well, I ain't got no money. And that kid, talk about spoiled right in this. Can you imagine how spoiled Isaac was? They, they lavished their love upon this kid. He's the miracle kid. And God said, that's awesome. Now, Abraham, here's what I would like you to do. I'd like you to track across the desert up on Mount Moriah, and I'd like you to kill him and make a sacrifice of that child back to me. And here's what Abraham does. Okay. Now explain that to your wife. Hey, um, uh, the golden child and I are going to track out in the wilderness. And, uh, he won't be coming back. You might want to hug him real good. <laughs> you talk about that dude would be put in jail for saying, and so, but he does. He he tracks up. He, he they they go up on the side of the mountain, and then he makes the kid build the altar. Hey, go get some sticks and wood and build a little altar thing. And hey, I need you to lay down on that. Now imagine being that kid. You want me to do what? Now he's. I mean, this your dad's already 110 years old. So you're like, that's an Alzheimer statement right there. Like I am not going to climb up on that wood, and so you can set me on fire. Have you lost? And the kid lays down on the wood. He lays down on the wood. He trusts his daddy who trusts the Lord. See, Abraham, Abraham can't be the father of faith if he can't be tested in his faith. If he can't go through something to prove that he loves Jesus or he loves the Lord more than he loves the gifts that God gives him. I can't tell you how many people will cry out. And I'll pray with them. God, Pastor, just believe I need a better job. I can't pay my bills. Pastor, just pray. Pastor, I tell you, my wife and I, we're going through something. So it's so hard. I don't know if we're going to stay married. And, and, and we'll pray. And we'll cry out to God. And man, all of a sudden, boom, the miracle happens. Boom, they get that new job. And I can't tell you, six months into that new job, we don't see him at church anymore. We, they don't even know if they love Jesus anymore. Can't find them. I mean, oh, their marriage finally gets strong, and now suddenly every weekend they're going to go out somewhere, keep their marriage strong. They no longer engage with the body of believers. You don't see them praying anymore. And the gift becomes an idol. And so God says, let me, let me see how much you love me. The Bible says that Abraham raises his knife and is about to stick that thing in that kid's chest, and God stops him. Abraham, stop! I see that you love me. You love me more than you love the gift that I've given you. He says, take him down off of that thing. And he, here's something else to sacrifice. as a, a ram there caught in the thicket. I want you to understand that this process is beautiful. And, and, it's, and, and it's wonderful and it's difficult all at the same time. So what do you do while you're in the delay? What do you do while you're in the waiting? See, what do you, what do? You do? How, how do you embrace that? How do you go through that? What do, you, what do you do with that? So let me give you a couple thoughts on that. Is that okay? Can I teach you on that? Say yes. Here's what you do while, while you're in the waiting. Number one, you've got to extinguish Satan's lies. You've got to extinguish them. Look at Ephesians 6.16. It says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Do you understand that the enemy is constantly one, God don't really love you, he doesn't really care about you. This is all stupid. You'll watch that YouTube video where they make a great point that there is no God, some atheist teaching. 
And you got to understand in ancient times, which is when this is being written, and the imagery for them is very clear. The imagery is very clear because they would take their shields and they would cover them with some type of skin, some type of fire retardant. Because what would happen, one of the great plans of that era was to shoot the, the darts that were on fire over everyone's head and stick down into the opposing army. And as they're coming, they would see them coming, they would get behind their shield. Well, as that sticks into their wood, if they have no way to put that fire out, then all those arrows are sticking. Now you've got, now your shield's on fire. And so what they would do is cover them with the skin so that when that, when that arrow would hit and it would go past that, as it would go past that skin into the wood, that skin would literally put the fire out. It would just extinguish it. He says, listen, take up your shield of faith by which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. You and I are constantly being bombarded. And you and I have to constantly take those thoughts and make them captive. Say, that's not what the Bible says. That's not who God is. That's not what God says about me. You've got to constantly be putting those things out. And I want to teach you how to extinguish that. First off, you've got to recognize that's a lie. You've got to recognize that's a lie. That's not who God is. But see, you can't recognize a lie if you don't know the truth. That's why as your pastor, I'm constantly teaching you, read the Bible. It's like, well, I just don't have time to read the Bible. You, you, boy, I'll knock you upside your head. There have never been more tools ever in the history of humanity than what you have. If you don't like to read the Bible, an app will read it to you while you drive to work. It just push play. And instead, turn off all the other mess and just let the word of God. And what happened? You start going, oh, wow, that's the truth I didn't know. Wow, I didn't understand that I was raised this way. That's true. You were raised that way, but that's not true. The Bible is the truth. It is the standard by which we govern ourselves. It is the word of God. It is his life. And the only way to quench a lie is to quench it with the truth. And the only way to know the truth is get the word of God inside of you. And as you begin to recognize lies, you say, oh, that's a lie. God did not do this to me to teach me. Unless I can't tell you how many people have told me. Some of you guys have told me, you know, Pastor, you know, it was just, you know, my little niece died in a car accident yesterday. I just, I, I just know that God was mad at us because we hadn't, you know, hadn't been coming to church as much. So we're going to come back to church. It's like, that's a lie. Yes, I want you to come back to church, but that ain't, that, that's a lie. He would that none should perish, but all come to eternal life. Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. That's not truth. Oh, what, really? That's right. And so you and I have to learn the truth. And we got to take, take those lies, and as they're on flame in our heart, in our mind, and we have to cover them and, and extinguish them. And let me tell you what you cover them with. You cover them with the promises. The promises. That's why through the series I've been trying to remind you, look, there are 7,000 promises that you can hold on to that are promised to the believer, to the one who follows God. Promises like, oh, I don't know, no weapon formed against you can prosper. All those who rise up against you shall fall. You say, oh, man, my job is so terrible. I'll tell you what, I got a boss who's just a jerk. The Bible says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. All those who rise up against you shall fall. You just you can stand up and you say, that fire, they don't like me. They hate me. They're trying to destroy me. No, no, no. No weapon formed against me can prosper. All those who rise up against me shall fall. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I don't know how to do this. It's so hard. They, they came up with this new program at work. I don't know how to do it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I will not live in fear. I will not let that fiery flame overtake my mind. I quench that by the knowledge that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you got to begin to quench those things by applying, come on now, you got to apply that, that skin on the outside of that face, uh, face shield and put that thing out by applying the truths of God's word and the promises that he's given you. And if you don't know those promises, like the Lord will work all things together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. That has sustained me when things have happened in my life that I was like, that ain't right. 
That's a demonic attack. That, I feel like, God, you abandoned me. Let you let that happen. And I'll go back to that promise. And that he'll work all things together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his promises. I tell you, Jamie and I went through something this year. It was not right. It was wrong. And we sat there crying and weeping and felt, and felt rejected and that kind of thing. And we held on to each other. And I reminded her. She reminded me. He, he will take all of this and work it together for the good because we love him and we're called according to his promise. And you know what that did? That just quenched all that lie. Just quenched it. Why? Because I'm in the waiting. I'm in the waiting. I'm in the delay. It's not happening like I thought it was going to happen. This is what happens with faith. There's a process in faith, and you've got you to understand that you're in that spot. Some of, some of you just got this revelation. God wants to use you. I, I, I used to get so excited about the CFNI students. You say, God, he's going to use me to change the world. I'm like, that's right. Now you've got to back up. I don't know why he does that. He shows us the goal line before he ever turns us loose. We're in football season right now. Every one of those teams have a plan to score. What they forget, that there's an opposing team. And that opposing team is doing everything it can do to keep you from scoring. And the beauty, and we love it. We love them hitting each other, rah, and they just pow and pow and pow. And as much as we love the Hail Marys, and they, we hope that they catch it, we understand enough that football is one, one inch at a time. It's grinding it out. You know, five yards forward, three yards back, ten yards forward. It's a grind against the enemy that's trying to keep you from scoring. Friend, you need to take that into life. There's an enemy, and he has a great plan. His plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. It's been the same from the very beginning. He hadn't changed it. You know his plays. You know his plan. You know his defensive posture. Why in the world would you allow that to get you frustrated when you know there's an opposition that hates you? Hates you. You say, I don't understand why life is so tough. There's an enemy. Yes, it is. He's pushing you back. What you going to do about it? Go sit on the bench? I haven't scored in like two days. Welcome to life. You're in the delay, and you just keep grinding it out. You keep pushing forward. You just keep pushing forward. Three steps forward, two steps back is still a step forward. Amen? Are you still with me? Say yes. You still love me? Say yes. Here's the second thing that I could help you to learn to do according to Scripture, and that is in faith, recognize the facts. In the waiting, in the delay time, in faith, Key words here. I've got it written just right. In faith, recognize the facts. Look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 19 says, Without weakening in his faith, talking about Abraham, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. So he recognized the fact, hey, no way this body's going to make babies. I'm 99 years old. This is not going to happen. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. See, I just want to help you understand something. Abraham doesn't deny the facts. He doesn't deny the facts. He just stands in faith anyway. Fact. You're broke. That's a fact. You can't pretend you ain't got no money. You ain't got no money. Okay? But in faith, in faith, recognize the facts. And then what do you do with that? In faith, you recognize the facts, but you say, but God, he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. You know what? This may be a fact right now, but the truth says this. So there's a difference between facts and truth. 
See, the problem with us is that we're limited in our way of thinking because we're limited beings. God's not limited. That may be a fact, but that's not the truth because he can do all things. He, he can do it. There's nothing that he can. That's why, it's, why, why I called it, and the process is called the delight because there was no way for us to get a building. The facts were we didn't have enough money. We weren't a big enough church. That We didn't have enough history. No bank was going to loan us any money. Nobody out there trusted us to be able to give us a building of any significant size. It wasn't going to happen based on the facts. But I thank God that he's not limited to facts because he is the miracle worker. Are you with me? Say yes. And so that's why I can sit here and say it's a miracle, and I embrace and rejoice that I did not quit on him. Come on, are you with me? It's called faith. While I was in the delay, I stayed the course, stayed the course, stayed the course. You have to stay the course. And so in that process, recognize the facts. Now, faith does not ignore the reality, but it simply says to the reality that there's another reality, and that is God the Father is all-powerful, all-understanding, all-knowing, and can change it in the blink of an eye. What I love about this piece what I would teach you in this whole thing is I have found some people get a little sideways and they begin, to, they begin to not acknowledge the facts. And they do that in hopes, in faith, the best they can. But sometimes what that creates is a, is, is a, is a rough place for everybody around them because we're saying, well, then you need to be authentic. And they're saying, yeah, but you need to have faith. And I think they work together. I do not think that the facts should ever dictate the faith. I think the faith should dictate the facts. That's why I'm not scared of the facts. I can look at the facts and say, that's true, but it's not the ultimate truth. Are you with me? Say yes. All right, number three, rejoice in anticipation. You learned this in one of our other teachings uh, in this series, but when we're talking about, you know, what to do while we're in the waiting, rejoice, number three, rejoice in anticipation. Continuing in Romans 4, we just read verse 19, now let's read verse 20. It says, and yet he did not waver, talking, about, talking again about Abraham, through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. He, was, he kept giving glory to God. He strengthened his faith by giving glory to God. You know what? It may, not, it, it may not look like it right now, but God's going to make a miracle out of this thing. I don't know how it's going to happen. I can't do it in my own strength. The facts are that it'll never happen. Friend, can I tell you, that's why it's so delightful. Because in the delay, in the waiting, it's like there's no way. That's why we have this whole thing. I mean, that's why God brought Abraham and, 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 and Sarah through this whole thing. So that thousands of years later, we can say, if the father of faith went through this and looked like this and did this, then I can do it right now. I can believe right now. I can stay the course right now. The facts may be that that body it, it, it just can't have a kid. It's just impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's what faith. And he began to, he continued, if you will, to rejoice in anticipation. Lord, I thank you. I taught you this a couple weeks ago. To rejoice after you have received your miracle, that's called gratitude. To rejoice before you have your miracle, that's called faith. In anticipation, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord God, that you're going to pay my groceries and you're going to make the atheist next door pay for it. Come on, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that in, in advance that you've got me in the palm of your hand and you've got this thing figured out and you're going to make a miracle happen in this situation. I don't even know how it's going to happen, but I trust you. God, you are good. Are you still there? Say yes. yes. Number four, I've got to move quick, and that is give to others. While you're in that season of waiting, give to others. Give to others while you're waiting on God's promise for yourself. Give to others. Years ago, when I was a youth minister, I had this sweet lady named Miss Tony. Miss Tony was so awesome, 
and she was a single mom, and she had a, an older teenage son who just was a rebel. I mean, I know we don't use that word much anymore, but he just was. I mean, he was, a, he was just, he just, every, if she said left, he went right. If she said Jesus, he went Satan. I mean, he just was that kid. I mean, just that, I'm sure he was bitter over his father abandoning him and, and some of those things and everything we could do to reach out to him. And Miss Tony came to me one day, and she said, you know what, Pastor Adam? I'm believing, I'm holding to the truth that the Word of God says, the promise, that if I raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, then when they're old, they won't depart. Well, he's departed from God right now, but he's not old yet, and that he will return to God. I'm believing that. I'm holding in faith. And she goes, and so while I'm in the middle of that, can I do something? Can I serve the youth ministry? Can I love? Can I, can I love on some other kids? Would you be okay with that? And I was like, well, sure, Miss Tony. I, I don't know what you really can do. She goes, well, do you mind if I work in your little, in your little concession stand? We call them concession stands. I said, no, that'd be great. She goes, I'd like to make burritos uh, for the kids. I was like, ooh, that's going to be expensive, Miss Tony. We ain't never going to make no money with that deal. I said, but if you want to, we'll let you do it. So she would make burritos. And can I tell you something? Every one of those teenagers, every broken home kid would sit there and buy a burrito. And she said, come here, baby. I'll give it to you free. Come sit, come over here. Let me give you one free. And she'd sit there and counsel them in the kitchen. And I, we never made any money off those burritos. She, I tell you, we lost more money. But Miss Tony loved on more kids. And more kids got right with God. More kids got a mama in the faith than ever could have. Why? Because she gave while she was going through what she was going through, she gave some. Now, the problem that I have sometimes with this principle is I watch people manipulate that. They manipulated that pr principle, and that is, I'm going to give God, so you'll give me over here. And that, and that becomes manipulative, right? We give to give. We don't give to get. Ooh, you, didn't, you missed a good place to say amen right there. The Bible says, whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. That's God's business. That's God's business. That's not, I'm going to sow a Honda Accord so that God will give me a Mercedes. No, no, that is God. I'm sowing out of the depths of my pain and in my waiting time and in my delay time. I'm going to keep giving and keep loving. And Lord, in your timing, how you will, what you will, I trust you because I know that you love me and that you will never forsake me, that you will always bless me and take care of me, Lord God. And in my pain and in my difficulty, I will continue to love. See the attitude, there's an attitude piece in that. And that's why the world criticizes the whole prosperity teaching because, because that one little piece, they say that. Ah, oh, bless God. You know, see, y'all just want to get that so you can get something else because there's a motivation that, that many times the world's able to acknowledge and we as Christians don't even see it. We don't even see the manipulation, but there's a manipulation. We give because, because God loves us and because he gives to us and we just give, we just give. We don't give so we can get some. Have you ever had a friend that gave you something expecting something in return? I've had people like that in my life. Hey, I want to give you something. I tell them, don't give me nothing because I know you're tight. If you give me something, you're going to expect to be able to come to my house and get anything I got. I don't want nothing from you because you have this thing inside of you. You can see it that I owe you. I'm not going to owe you nothing. Have you ever had somebody like that in your life? And that's what we do sometimes with God. I'm going to give this, but I want this in return. See, can I tell you why I tithe to this church? Not because it's my church. This ain't my church. I'm a steward. This is not mine. This belongs to Jesus. My children don't inherit this church because their last name's McCain. This is God's church. You're his people. And the Bible says it will be harder for me on the day of judgment. Because I've been the leader here. That's scary for me. But I give at this church. I give above 10%. You know why I give? Because God is good. And because he says, he teaches me to do that. So I give. I don't get, I expect anything in return. If he doesn't give me something, great. But I give because I love God. And it's in that generosity that God says, I'm not going to be in debt to anybody. That's his business. He said, I'm not going to be in debt to her. I'm going to make sure she's taken care of because that's my son. That's my daughter. I've learned that in the waiting, not to be stingy. In the waiting, not to be stingy with my love. In the waiting and the delay, not to be stingy with my time. In the waiting, not to be stingy with my resources, but to give. And it's in that supernatural truths are starting to happen inside of it. And he goes, look at that maturity. Hey, angels, come see that right there. Look at that. What's going on? And Adam and Cain. 
pastor friend of mine was struggling to get his church up and going, bought a piece of property, was, had, a, had a little building project going, and the mega church in the city said they were going to start another campus. And they brought the property just down from him and put a big old fine campus. And I'm telling you right now, if it had been me, I'd have been like, you got to, I'd have burned it down. I was like, praise God. Like, you're going to come over here in my backyard and go, you, oh, Jesus, you know what my friend did? Let me tell you what my friend did. He took up an offering at his smaller church. He took up an offering and went and gave it to the big mega church for their next campus that they were open down the street from him. That, my friend, is real faith. That's what it looks like. To give, even when I don't have it to give, to love God and say, Lord, I, while I'm in my delay, I'm not going to stop loving. I'm not going to stop being a blessing. Are you with me today? Say yes. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do as we close out. Each and every one of you, God has done miracles in your life. You may be in a delay process right now for a particular thing, but God has done miracles in every one of you. So I'm going to ask you for your help for just a moment. You've heard my miracle stories. I'm the preacher, so you're like, oh, i got to hear that story again. Well, I don't have that many, so you know I mean? But in front of me are thousands of miracle stories. And I want to ask you to take this last principle and put it into practice. God has brought you through some things. God has brought delight in your pain. People need to know about that. It'll help them. You couldn't keep that marriage together. And you humbled yourself and cried out to God, and he healed that marriage. You know it's a miracle. Y'all should not be together. I know it's a miracle. Because I talk to you through the thing like, oh, Jesus, you're going to have to fix this. I can't fix it. Some of you have had miraculous things in finance. The list goes on and on. So I've done something today. In our small group commons, I've set up a little video booth. And I'd like you to take 30 seconds. You may have to stand in line. I'd like you to take 30 seconds and go stand there. They'll help you. And just give us a little t testimony of what God did for you. May have been 20 years ago. May have been 30 years ago. You say, Pastor, I don't know how that's going to help anybody. You don't understand. As you give from the pain that you've gone through and the rejoicing and the delight that came to your life, that encouraged that person who's in the waiting in that same area. You had a baby miraculous. A, a baby died on you, and, and then God gave you another child, and, and, and you went through that, and, and, and God is good. That, that testimony, if you will, that, that encouragement takes that person who's going through that waiting time right now, that delay right now, and those arrows are, choom, 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 and they see that video. They hear your story, and they go, if they can do it, I can do it. If God was good to them, he'll be good to me. Why do you think the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11 lists out all these great men and women of faith? Because they went through something that encourages what we're going through. And so I'd like you to take a moment. You say, Pastor, I can't. I've got to rush off. You know, I'm barbecuing for the Cowboys. Well, just go on with yourself. I mean, uh, just go ahead. And I'm about to be silly. I'm sorry. That was funny. It sounded a lot funnier in my mind than it came out. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> no, but then, then take some time this week and, 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 and shoot a little video with your iPhone and send it over to us. No more than 30 seconds. And then we, we'll put some out there on our social media. We'll, we'll archive some of those. Give me permission to use them, you know. I just want to bless others. I want other people in this church to know that there are miracles sitting all next to them. Supernatural things. There are delights that have happened in that process. And there have been supernatural things. That, not just the preacher dude, but everybody else in this congregation. God's doing the same thing. And would, you, would you be willing to help me with that? Somebody say yes for me a little bit. Thank you. And so you can go by the small group commons on your way out and say, Preacher guy said something about tell a little story that God's brought me through. I, want, I think it'll help some other people. Or I don't even know if it will, but I want to try. And so I want you today, as we close out this series, to recognize you may be in the waiting. But in the waiting is where you're being matured. In the waiting is where the miracle story is being developed. I mean a story 
that'll go down in the ages. So you can't have a great testimony without a great test. And you can't overcome and be victorious if you didn't have an enemy. And so while you're in the waiting, you're fighting the enemy, you're trying to move forward, understand this, that he'll never leave you or forsake you, that his ways are higher than your ways, and he holds you in the palm of his hand. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. So let us be men and women with dangerous faith. Would you stand with me all across the room quickly, quickly? I want you to close your eyes with me right where you stand. I want to minister to you for just a moment. You may be in the waiting right now and it felt like you wanted to quit. Those arrows may have been stuck in the side of your head. Those lies. Remember, his, what's, his, what's his weaponry? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's his weaponry. That's what he does. And so he bombards us with lies to steal our confidence. He kills faith with half stories and half truths. He destroys love by bringing insecurity and doubt. Father, I pray right now for our people that every man and woman in this place today, Lord God, that you would stretch us to have dangerous faith. God, I don't want to be a man that you look around heaven and go, wow, I wish Adam could have got that. I wish he wouldn't have quit on me in the delay time. I wish he wouldn't have created that Ishmael. I wish he just would have waited a little longer. I wish he would have trusted a little deeper. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you'd help us. Help us, God. We call upon you. Lord, we call. We can't do it in our own strength. And so, Lord, we just settle into the pocket. And we just let you, Lord God, lead. We repent for trying to lead out. We repent for trying to control you, Jesus. We repent for the shortcuts that we've taken in the past. And we ask you to help us now. Lord God, to, to, to embrace the waiting, the delay moment. We thank you the delight is on its way. We thank you that you show us the goal line, then you back us up. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you trust us to move the ball down the field. God, I thank you, Lord God, that with your help, all things are possible. In God, all things are possible. Lord, I pray for that man, that woman right now that are believing for that child to come back to Jesus, that adult child. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you give them encouragement in the waiting time. That, Lord God, they'd be able to, they'd be able to extinguish those lies. For that person who's just been suffering, suffering day in and day out with that physical ailment. God, that you would just give them encouragement right now. That the word of the Lord would come forth to them, Lord God. They would remember the Holy Scriptures, oh God. That they would apply the, they'd apply the covenant truths, Lord God, of your promises on top of that flaming lie. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that every man and woman, under the sound of my voice, but right where they stand, Lord God, that they would begin to, to believe again, begin to trust again. And Lord God, begin to settle in to the whole process that you're taking them through. And Lord, that we will rejoice together. But God, when, when, the, when that dream comes to pass, we'll delight together. And Lord, I thank you right now. I thank you that no weapon formed against him will prosper. Now with your head bowed and your eye closed, would you just make a determination over the next couple weeks to continue walking in dangerous faith? I'd ask you that you would pull from the, the places of your pain, the places of your waiting, the place of your boredom, and love other people. Would you reach out? Would you make a plan to care for somebody? Would you take the little neighborhood kid that nobody wants to talk to who is always acting a fool in your neighborhood? Would you, would you consider grabbing him up and bringing him to church? I'm so grateful somebody did that for me. Would you, would you consider contacting that cousin and just saying, you know what? You did me so dirty a couple years ago in that business move, but I want you to know not only do I forgive you, but I'm praying for you. It's okay. It's going to be all right. 
would you take from your waiting process and begin to love on somebody? One of my friends, one of my closest friends, sent me a text this week. We've been waiting for this breakthrough in, in, in his ministry, in his life. You know what? He just sat there with a student, and he loved on them in the place of waiting, in the place of delay. And they looked at him and said, and they began to prophesy over him. Say, you're called to be a preacher, aren't you? It's amazing what God does when we're in the delay and we love on other people in that process. Would you make a commitment to do that here and now? Would you apply those principles? Would you go find those, the Holy Scriptures and what it says about you and the promise that he makes so you can quench those fiery darts? Now, would you head bow and your eye closed? If you're away from God today, I'd like to, I'd like to help you come home. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've never been a Christian. I've never, I've never known God. I'd like to introduce you today. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian, but life happened, and I, I've kind of walked away. I, I, I'm separated. I'm, I'm divorced. Well, the Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart that he's the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He said, man, that sounds so easy. I know, right? Because all the heavy lifting Jesus did 2,000 years ago. I'd like to lead you in a prayer of repentance. I'd like to lead you in that prayer of dedication. I'd like to help you make Jesus your Lord and Savior. I'd like to see you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. I'd like to pray with you now. If that's you, if I'm talking to you, say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I'm not a Christian or... I used to be, but I know I'm not anymore. Would you let me pray with you? Would you let me lead you back to Christ through a prayer of dedication, prayer of confession? No one's looking around. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Would you admit that to yourself and to me by, by lifting your hand right where you stand? I'm, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want to pray with you right where you stand. I'll lead you in that. You say, Pastor, that's me. Pray with me. If that's you, quickly throw up your hand so I know who I'm praying with. Cross this room. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Give you a couple more seconds. Pray for me, Pastor. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? I want, I, I, I want to be faithful to your time, but I also want to make sure that you don't leave this place not knowing Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Been many, couple hands going up. I want to pray with you now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, those that lifted your hand, I want you to mean this from the depths of your heart. And I'd ask everyone in the audience to pray out loud alongside those who lifted their hands. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, tonight or today, <laughs> I admit I'm a sinner. I ask you now to forgive me of my sins to wash me clean. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm yours forever. In Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed for just a moment? Father, I pray for those men and women who cried out to you just now in holy fear and, and love. Lord, I thank you right now. They'll feel your peace. Let it overwhelm let, it, let the peace overwhelm and take, take root where there has been doubt and unbelief and fear. Let joy begin to bubble up inside of them, knowing that they're not perfect, but they are forgiven. And God, may they walk out of this place today with their head held high, their shoulders back, saying, you know what? Something changed today. I became a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm his forever. And Lord, may you remind them every day when they want to go back to the old ways, that heaven awaits them, that their prayer of repentance was real, and that you've forgiven them, and that they're yours forever. We love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen and amen.